Hi, this is Dan Lynch. Join me and Jonathan Bennett for Floss Weekly, where we'll be talking all things VoIP and intellect telephony. Our guest this time is Fred Posner from Camera Elio, an open source SIP server that can help you manage all of your VoIP needs. That's coming up next on Floss Weekly, so stay tuned. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This This is Floss Weekly with Dan Lynch and Jonathan Bennett, episode 551, recorded October 16th, 2019, Camera Elio. This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Melissa. Bad data happens to good companies. That's why 10,000 businesses count on Melissa for clean, reliable address data. Get started today with 25,000 records clean for free at melissa.com slash twit. And also by Command Line Heroes, the original podcast from Red Hat. It's back for its third season, and this time it's all about the epic history of programming languages. Episode 8 is all about C, the language that made so many others possible. Go to redhat.com slash heroes, or listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for Floss Weekly, the show about free, libre, open source software. I am your host, Dan Lynch. I'm sitting in this week for Randall Schwartz, who is uh, currently traveling for conference-related conference, uh, conference related things, I believe. Uh, but I'm, I'm pleased to say that I'm not here on my own, which is good. Um, I'm joined by Jonathan Bennett. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm great. It's good to be here with you again, Dan. Yeah, it's it's good. We, we've we, we're kind of we've got a, done a few shows together now. We're we're getting uh, we're getting a good kind of partnership going. That's good, isn't it? Um, so I'm in my people will watching the video stream will be able to see from my kind of background. I'm in my usual um, usual location of uh, Liverpool in the UK in my little home studio. Uh, Jonathan, I think I can guess where you are, but where are you? Where are you talking to us from? Yep, I'm still here in the home office in uh, middle of Oklahoma, uh, one of the flyover states. So wave as you go by, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I've got to say, you look like you've got an incredibly comfortable chair there. I'm quite jealous. Um, it looks like a very posh, comfy like office chair. It is. Uh, this was actually a hand-me-down from one of the businesses I work at. The guy had to get himself a new chair, and it was just sitting around. And one of the ladies was like, hey, you don't need a new chair, do you? And I was like, Yes, actually, I do. I will take that. Yoink! <laughs> Excellent. So we'll 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 cover that on Chair Weekly next time. Um, I imagine. <laughs> It should be good. Um, it could be a spin-off. It could be a spin-off show. Excellent. All right. And so, um, yeah, we, we've got a. We're going to be actually be talking about VoIP and internet telephony today with our guest, uh, which uh, which is going to be really interesting. We've got uh, Fred Posner, who is, and I'm going to try and say this project name right. We'll talk to Fred in a minute and see what it, whether I got it close. But I think it's Camaleo. Um, and we'll find out more. I'll ask him. But um, have you had a look at Camaleo at all, Jonathan? I've not looked at Camaleo itself, but let's see if I have enough cable to do this. I do have an interest in VoIP. I've got my VoIP phone running on an asterisk VM on my desk right now. And so uh, the, the, real, the real question about this show is going to be, is Camaleo interesting enough and compelling enough yet that it's going to convince me to give up asterisk? And that's going to be the question I ask. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a great question then. So you're going to have lots of great questions about this. I've used Asterisk a little bit, and um, I played a bit with Free PBX many moons ago, um, but it's not my strong suit. So I'm glad that we've got a VoIP expert on who can uh, who can ask all those kind of questions. Um, we've got the chat room buzzing away, actually, and, and my mention of um, office chairs and so on has got people excited. Apparently, they're suggesting this week in office furniture. So maybe we can suggest that to <laughs> suggest that to Leo and <laughs> see how he feels about that one. Um, okay. I, right on that yeah we'll get right on that all right and so um yeah so we'll we'll speak to uh, fred in a minute and bring him on but before we do that i do need to uh, thank one of our sponsors for today um so uh, today's episode of floss weekly is brought to you by the leader in address verification melissa every address is covered from adelaide australia to zipicada colombia and everywhere in between we all know there's nothing good about bad data. It costs money, hurts sales, and decreases customer satisfaction. If bad addresses, duplicate records, and bouncing emails are hurting your business, isn't it time to come clean with Melissa? Delta Fawcett, Z1 Motorsports, and Car2Go use Melissa. You should too. Delta Fawcett was able to improve their call center processes with global address auto-completion. Melissa was able to reduce the fraudulent e-commerce transactions for Z1 Motorsports by 90%. That's a lot. Uh, Melissa provides a full spectrum of data quality protection for your customer data. Verify postal addresses, mobile numbers, and email addresses. Update the addresses of customers who have moved and eliminate duplicate records. Gain additional customer insight into your data with Melissa's analytics. Easily build address verification and customer data validation into your custom applications using Melissa's API, CRM cloud connectors, and e-commerce plugins or upload your customer file for a quick data cleanse. Melissa is serious about securely managing your data. They continually undergo independent security audits to reinforce their commitment to data security, privacy, and compliance requirements. SOC 2, HIPAA, and GDPR compliant. Mailers spend about $20 billion annually in undeliverable mail. Don't lose customers or cash. Make every address count. Bad data happens to good companies. That's why 10,000 organizations worldwide trust Melissa to get their data clean and accurate. Get started today with 25,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash twit. That's melissa.com slash twit. Or call 1-800-MELISSA to find out more. And we thank Melissa for their support of Floss Weekly. All right, and so with that out of the way, we should go ahead and bring on our guest, Fred Posner. Fred, are you there? Hi, how are you? We're good, thank you. Um, yeah, are you good? I'm great. It's uh, great to be here. I'm really excited. Excellent. So where where are you speaking to us from, Fred? Where are you based? I'm based out of Gainesville, Florida, which is a little uh, college town just in the north armpit area of Florida, as you'd call it, uh, where uh, where the University of Florida is. Excellent, excellent. And um, I mentioned for pe for people on the video stream, will be able to see that we both happen to be wearing T-shirts today that say Marvel on them. Um, you, you seem to be a big comic book fan. I can see in the background there you've got all kinds of Spider-Man posters and stuff. And as a geek, I couldn't help but notice. Yeah, there's a Spider-Man uh, posters up on the wall and huge one that's off camera. You know, Thanos, of course, and then uh, Steve Rogers as uh, Captain America, and of course uh, 
his brother Fred Rogers, as I like to put it, and uh, <laughs> bourbon because you have to have bourbon. Excellent, excellent. All right, and so um, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about uh, comic books today, but we are here to talk about a fascinating project that you're involved with. And let me see if I if, did I get the name right. I've got Cam Lee, Camille. No, Le- no, I didn't. no. You, you didn't, but nobody does. It's one of my favorite uh, ways to talk about the project. Is let's talk about how to how to call it. And there's not even a real consensus consensus within the the project um i wow. say Kamailio. um you'll hear Kamalio a lot um but we're uh we're a project that's worldwide right and so we have a lot of people with different languages the word itself is hawaiian uh meaning to communicate and uh Kamalio. um and so you know i'll say Kamailio, and and that's the way i'll choose to mm-hmm. to refer to it Excellent. All right. Well, I'll follow your pronunciation for today. So, Camilio. Um, so, tell us about Camilio then. What um, what is it, and how does it how does it work? All right. So, Camilio is an open source SIP server. So, um, you guys both mentioned Asterisk, which is a great product and uh, one that I use. I have it here. Uh, you know, when one of these servers on here. Um, Camilio, though, is how, how to say it. Uh, you use it in a, an enhancement of a PBX, so software such as Asterisk or FreeSwitch or um, SEMS Gateway or anything like that, Kamelio would generally sit in front of it. It's an open source SIP server, and it can deal with aspects of SIP, and the vast majority of VoIP is SIP-based, and it allows you to scale up your, let's say, Asterisk or FreeSwitch instance to something of a carrier level and handling thousands of calls per second, things like that, compared to, you know, one or two calls per second. Mm, so so you'd use it for large deployments by the sound of it then? You can use it for large deployments. Um, a lot of times I'll use it as a, as a replacement for what most people call an SBC and use it as a, a security device or a SIP edge router, um, something that can really help with uh, securing your instance. If you do run asterisk or free switching and you allow the public internet to access it, you probably see uh, every 10 or 15 minutes some sort of script kitty attacking your server. Uh, Kamailio is really good at blocking that um, kind of attack against you mm-hmm. as well as um, you know more um, ability to handle within the SIP, so to protect your instance from uh, SQL injection, um, which is a huge uh, thing I'm seeing now, or even uh, we had PHP injection uh, for people mm-hmm. running free PBX. Um, it also can be used as a IPv6 to IPv4 gateway or a TLS to UDP type of gateway. So there's a lot of aspects of Kamailio that can be deployed to not just um, carrier grade, but to you know just enhance your your simple PBX as well. Hmm. And uh, it's it sounds like you've got a ton of features which we'll, we'll we'll dig into in a bit, but I mean, you've touched on something there that I've, oh, I mean, maybe this reflects on me more than anything else, but I've struggled in the past sometimes with configuring things like Asterisk and, and the security particularly, as you say, can be uh, a, a lot of these products, because you've got to be, at some point, they've got to talk to the wider internet, otherwise your call's not going to go anywhere. Um, so you need to do that, and that means you need to do all the security stuff. So is that an important aspect of the project, making it easier for people to manage some of these tools? You know, when when you look at SIP itself, I don't know if SIP will ever be easy. And Mm. I'm not trying to say that it's hard. It's just 
ridiculously complicated. And, you know, in, in its nutshell, it works a little bit like HTTP. And so, you know, you have, a, you know, a connect and a, and a trying and a okay and a 400 error if there's a client issue, a 500 error if there's a server issue, things like that. So in, in some aspects, it's, it's very similar to protocols that you might use on a, on a daily basis. In other aspects, there's so many <clears throat> intricacies. Um, the, FF, the RFC for it is just enormous that, you know, it can get very complicated. And, and dealing with SIP, you kind of tend to just focus on SIP and, and forget about some other things. And, and we become more specialized as people, I think. That being said, um, our default configurations are now trying to do um, you know, basic uh, security protections from uh, you know your your more common attacks as well as SQL injection attacks and uh, aspects like that. And we're trying to do our best to comment in um, our configuration files so that people can understand um, where to make some changes, uh, especially for a security reason, as as easily as possible, as well as uh, more modules. Comma uh, Ilio itself is a modular based. A module-based software, so you know you can just uh, you know insert a, a, a module to deal with, uh, for example, uh, one that's coming out in the new release that's being released today is a, a sec filter or a security filter, which will make it even easier to uh, protect your system. One of the things I always hated about setting up SIP, particularly with asterisk, is you've got to open up your your SIP TCP port, and then you've got to open up like ten thousand high level UDP ports to be to guarantee that all that audio traffic is getting through. Um, it it sounds like Kama Ilio is designed to to sit out at the border and get all of that traffic, but be able to handle it securely. Is that what it's doing? The most you know, it depends. And a quick answer is yes, but at the same point, you know, for example, here at, at where I am now, I keep Kama Ilio on a private IP and I have uh, all of the everything Ooh. forwarded to Kama Ilio and then Kama Ilio then handles it internally. So mm -hmm. um, it can handle in a private IP and I've, I've spent a lot of time um, configuring those aspects only because, you know, especially in the state side, it's and with you know people being um, less able to get some public IPs and things like that. You know we want to make sure that it can work on private IP space, and and so I, I do try to do a lot of private IP space just to make sure that everything's functioning behind NAT and then another NAT and SIP and NAT are arch enemies. So the more <laughs> NAT you can throw at it, the better you can be. <laughs> Yep. So, so what's the what is the connection between uh, Kama Ilio and let's say if we're running Asterisk? What is the connection between those two look like, and how does it how does it save all of that bandwidth, um, that processing power versus just using Asterisk? That's a fantastic question. All right. So first, let me talk about Asterisk, and I love Asterisk. Asterisk is a is a great product. Um, we have Astrocon coming up uh, next week, I guess. Um, I'll be there. There's um, uh, so Asterisk is a very, you know, one of the, if not the most popular open source telephony PBX software in, in the world. Uh, you also have FreeSwitch, which is an excellent um, open source telephony project as well. Uh, other common uh, 
deployments would use uh, what people call free PBX, or that's the name of it. So people call it that. Uh, free PBX <laughs> is a GUI-based um, uh, uh, software that sits on top of Asterisk. And then you have uh, Fusion PBX, which is uh, a GUI-based uh, system for, for FreeSwitch. So what do those do? Well, the most fun that you usually have with Asterisk and the first things that you do with it is uh, you play a you know, you, you type in a code and you hear, uh, you know, whether it's screaming monkeys or you hear some sort of sound or you record your own <laughs> sound and you, you have your own voicemail. And something you do generally deals with sound. Okay, so that's the first main difference is that Camellio is just SIP, nothing dealing with media. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. in, in that aspect, the media server aspect of Asterisk or the other PBX is not something that um, Camellio handles it can set up that communication but it doesn't touch the media and so that allows Camilio to specialize in just that call setup as well as uh, functioning um, dealing with SIP so your phone registrations um, you know uh, whether you want to do geographical aspects the call setups failovers uh, anything dealing with the SIP aspect of the call is handled by Camilio, whereas the media processing and maybe um, some lower end logic as to, okay, I have the call here and, uh, you know, now let me uh, allow the person to press DTMF and, and get their passcode or something or, you know, and listen to voicemail. Those things are handled by the, the PBX software. So Camilio would sit in front of that server and basically one, take a tremendous amount of load away from Asterisk. So if I'm handling your phone registrations per se, that's a lot of work that Asterisk now no, doesn't have to do. So when you have maybe 10 phones, not an issue. When you have 200 phones, you start to see a lot of traffic. And when you have like 2,000 phones, then it starts to get into uh, a real true aspect of, okay, well, what am I going to do with with asterisk here, um, how can it handle all these registrations and handle them well? Where if you offset that, for example, to Camilio, you can handle hundreds and thousands, and you know, if not millions of registrations, and then you know, handle it with you know, let's say a few asterisk boxes on the other end, and just have asterisk handle the media and and do things in in that regard. So you can have. Um, for example, all your phones register to um, at, uh, to Camilio, which does a really good high availability. And then you can have multiple um, asterisks for high availability so that you could go, okay, well, this one, uh, you know, box A is uh, a little bit on high CPU. So let me switch uh, some traffic to box B or box A went down. Let me switch there or maybe make um, just conferencing or something that's very CPU intensive for asterisk uh go in one aspect, maybe uh, phone cues on a different asterisk, and maybe uh, just regular communication on a third. And so between Camelio and asterisk, is it still is it still talking SIP? Yep, just SIP. So generally, it's uh, just SIP going there. There is, um, Camelio works hand in hand with a couple of um, RTP proxies. So you could run uh, the two most common would be RTP engine and RTP proxy, and those can, you know, proxy the media. So, um, you know, which is really important, like we were talking about with NAT. So I could still have just one exposed IP and have um, all of my media still work. And then Comet Leo can then branch that 
media out um, to the other servers just via a proxy. And but yes, the SIP would all it it would only talk a uh, SIP to asterisk. So in the asterisk case, it would use either Chan SIP or PJ SIP, Chan PJ SIP to communicate to Kamalu. And so as you describe this, it almost sounds like a uh, it almost sounds like a load balancer, or at least it has load balancing functionality. Absolutely. So some of the great functionality of of um, Kamalu is uh, you know one, it's a proxy server. So with it being a proxy server, it's inspecting all the traffic and then going from there. So there, with that, you get immediate security aspects as well as um, logic aspects for billing or however you want to uh, decide. Uh, you know, a second step of security or administrative function with the proxy, as well as, uh, like we were talking about with NAT, some sort of uh, method of um, having a one entry aspect to your network. Um, it can handle SIP registrations. So for phones to register uh, to a SIP uh, device, uh, Kamalia can handle that. It can handle location. So uh, you know, which is the next step, let's say, after registration is, hey, I want to send a call to this phone. Where is that phone? Kamalia will handle that. Um, it can do load balancing. We have a special module called Dispatcher. And load balancing is probably one of the more common uses of Kamalia. Um, and load balancing can also handle uh, some of those aspects we were just talking about. Okay, let me send the conference calls to server A, the um, the voicemail to server C, you know, things like that, as well as um, weighted load balancing. And you could even get us as, as far as uh, now with some new features, uh, load balancing based on latency even so that you could go, okay, well, the server is uh, responding, you know, with the lowest latency, let me send the most calls there. Um, uh, one of the new fun facts is, uh, or newer technologies is uh, WebRTC. And so Kamalia does support web sockets. So it can also act as a web socket to um, SIP gateway. So it can receive WebRTC connections and then turn those into SIP and send those to your asterisk. So if you don't feel like sending up, setting up asterisk with WebRTC or opening it up, uh, you know, firewall or security wise, you can send those to Kamalia instead. And then Kamalia could do that uh, WebRTC to SIP kind of translation. So if somebody wanted to set up a Skype replacement, uh, there's support for that sort of thing. Absolutely. It does do messaging and, um, you know, through that, in fact, we can do XMVP. There's an old tutorial on uh, on one of our sites with um, how to make your own Skype uh, replacement using uh, Comma Ilium, complete with, you know, um, conversations as well as uh, messaging. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that gets into the technical weeds. I apologize to everyone that's not SIP geeks like apparently the two of us are. Um, one of the things you can do with Asterisk in a VoIP phone is you can do direct connections where Asterisk handles the, the handoff and then the actual audio data goes point to point straight. Um, does Kema Elio have support for something like that, particularly if, if you're load balancing? Yes, and in, in fact, it even has much better support for that. So um, one of the reasons why I love using Kamailio in addition to some of these PBXs is because you can really get into those weeds there. So, um, 
you can decide, okay, I want uh, this phone and this phone to be able to talk um, direct directly to each other and have just the media go from uh, phone A to phone B and not be proxied anywhere. Um, we call that a direct media um, in asterisk, and you know you could just call it peer to peer uh, is is widely accepted as well. You can also determine that you know what I want these two phones to talk about it, but they are both behind NAT and they are behind different local NATs. So there's no way that these phones are going to be able to talk to each other because uh, they both have uh, different outside IPs um, and NATed IPs. So then I could decide, even though I want them to talk to each other, I don't want them, uh, I can't have them do that because the audio would never make it. So let me proxy the media between those two. Um, and you could also decide, you know what, even though I want these two uh, to um, to talk direct, uh, this phone call needs to be recorded. So let me send it to this asterisk and uh, have that call recorded instead, and, and things like that. So yes, you can you can make uh, determinations based on IP, based on your own type of um, business reason or um, uh, local desire as to whether or not you want to. Um, enable those those phones to communicate uh, directly or through a proxy or or the media server. Uh, does Kema Elio support running a stun server as as part of the Kema Elio instance? You can put a stun server on the same on the same box. Uh, it won't hurt it. Um, a lot of people do it, um, but it does not offer stun services itself. Um, so much like it doesn't do um, the RTP relays. It supports RTP media software on the same box. And so you can do that. You can have a turn server, I mean, not a turn server, a stun server on the same box. Uh, it's just not part of Comma Ilio at that point. And I'm, I've been told that we are using too much jargon, apparently. Can you, can you, de <laughs> can you define for us two things that we've talked about, uh, DTMF and then stun server, just to, to okay, bring sure. everybody up to speed? <laughs> so, um, let's talk about DTMF. DTMF is if you are old like I am, uh, or uh, into old phone geekery. Uh, DTMF are the sounds that happen when you press a key on a touch tone type phone, and those sounds are interpreted by the media server and turned into a digit. So if I press the number one on my telephone, the server understands that I pressed the number one. There's many different ways of uh, sending that, what we call DTMF tone to uh, the server. It could be sent via a SIP info, or it could be sent according to RC uh, 2833 is the most common. Um, it could also just use the sound. Um, so there are different ways of doing that, but DTMF is what allows you to press one for um, English, press two for Spanish, or enter in your credit card number or things like that. And uh, so that is what DTMF means. With STUN, uh, that's part of WebRTC. So uh, there's the whole aspect there is you as a user of your web browser – uh, generally have no idea what your public IP is. And the best way to think about it is if you asked your mom or grandmother, hey, um, what is your public IP? 
and you're just going to get stared at, right? And so, um, so we need a way to get this information without um, having to ask the question and even then defining what a, an IP is. So, uh, stun is a method of the IP of the web browser going out and saying, "Okay, what's my public IP?" and and receiving it and then attaching it to the um, uh, to its messaging so that it identifies, okay, hey, you know what? I know this is my internal IP and this is what the stun server says my public IP is. So stun is just it, a way of asking what's my public IP. Yep. It can be it can be used in in SIP connection as well. And it's useful for when one or, or both of those uh, SIP endpoints are behind NAT network address translation. And stun is one yep. of the ways that they can try to tunnel through that to be able to make connections. Um, now, on, so, yeah, go on ahead. just SIP to SIP, you wouldn't need a stun with, with uh, Kama Ilio because Kama Ilio is really good at detecting the um, public IP and configuring that, determining uh, whether or not the, the private IP is and keeping those and doing translations to that. So if it's just SIP, then you wouldn't need a stun at all. Which is great if you're using Kamilio or or something on based on Kamilio software, um, but yeah, for WebRTC you would absolutely need um, the stun, and if you were using some other aspects, you might need stun and SIP. But with Kamilio, it can handle that, which is great. Oh, interesting. So it doesn't have a stun server built into it, but it it has the same functionality essentially, to so that you don't have to have one. Right, because it can, can it detects where the where the you know, it has full access to the operating system and can say, okay, well, I'm getting this from this IP, even though, uh, so it can see where the connection is coming from. So it uses that to go, okay, well, here's where the connection is coming from. But even though the person's telling me that they're 192.168 something, I know that they're really, you know, 1234. So let me send it there. Mm. That sounds really, really useful. I mean, um, I've just been enjoying sitting here and listening to the, uh, you know, the, the SIP geeks, as Jonathan called you, <laughs> talking about this. Um, I've, I've had some problems with Stun in the past, and oh, with with you talked about NAT and SIP and all that sort of stuff, and I think uh, I think we've all had problems with that. Certainly, I have anyway. In getting, as you say, when you when you're trying to get a user who maybe isn't technical or, or, or you know experienced in, in in technical stuff, and you say to them, well, as you say, I need to know your IP address or I need this port to be open or this, that, and the other, it may just go in one ear and out the other. So, I mean, it's it's really handy that this can cut down on that kind of complexity a little bit. Absolutely. And, you know, I think maybe 20 years ago, I would have been one of these guys that, oh, how do you not know what an IP is? And, and as I've gotten older, I think, I don't know if I've just become more patient <laughs> or understanding or empathetic, but, you know, it's up to us to figure out those questions. We're not going to, you know, it's, we're not going to train people how to get that information for them. There's no use there. And so, you know, Kamelio just ends up getting that information for us on a SIP to SIP connection. And then in, um, uh, you know, on WebRTC, though, you do need a, a stun server generally. Um, mm. But it just goes in there and, and makes those connections and, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. It just works. Mm. That that is really really useful. I mean, uh, let's uh, pause for a second there. There's a lot more stuff I want to I want to ask you in a minute, Fred. Uh, just for now, I I want to take a moment to uh, to mention our sponsor, our second sponsor for this week. Um, so uh, we need to talk about Red Hat. So. Um, 
This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Command Line Heroes, which is an original podcast from Red Hat. Time-sharing operating systems were the holy grail in the 1960s computing world. People dreamed of how time-sharing would open up the world of computing. While time-sharing turned out to be a bit of a dead end, that quest led to Unix and C, the programming language that made so many others possible. Uh, Command Line Heroes is back for its third season, and it's all about programming languages. From Perl to JavaScript to Ruby and C, the podcast dives into the origin stories of some of the most prominent languages around. Big dreams can lead to groundbreaking technologies, and sometimes small teams are the best at achieving those dreams. On their season finale, episode 8, it recounts the history of C and how a team of four developers accomplished what huge teams couldn't. In the process, they paved the way for millions of others to enter the world of programming and forge their own path. Command Line Heroes, an original podcast from Red Hat, is all about people who transform tech from the command line up. To listen and subscribe, head over to the podcast platform of your choice or visit redhat.com slash heroes. That's redhat.com slash heroes. There you'll be able to find full episodes as well as bonus content, and you'll even be able to test your skills on the Command Line Bash arcade game. And uh, we thank Red Hat Command Line Heroes for their support of Floss Weekly. I want to try that Command Line Bash arcade game and see whether that's that's any good. Maybe I'll do that after the show. I'll wait till after the show, don't worry, <laughs> to do that. So, um, yeah, all right. And so back into the into the SIP geekery then. Uh, or uh, To be honest, on my end, probably not so much tech technical stuff as Jonathan can get into but um, I am curious we, we had a question from the chat room as we're, as we're um, talking here we've got a ISC chat room uh, buzzing along and some time ago uh, Y guy or WI guy uh, I'm sorry I don't know how you pronounce that um, they were asking uh, what kind of hardware do I need to run to run uh, this project so can I I'm assuming it can be run on many different platforms what kind of thing would, would I need so it runs on any of the Nix platforms. So I know some people do run it on free PBS or uh, free BSD, although I don't keep up with that enough to tell you how how well it's working. Um, and in the past, some people have, God bless them, run it on Solaris. The nothing against that. It's it, any of your Nix flavors um, will work on mm-hmm. it. So you know. Um, Debian, uh, CentOS, Red Hat, uh, you know, uh, flavors, uh, Ubuntu, anything that you would want um, in that aspect. I I even put it on a, a Raspberry Pi to play with. Hmm. In fact, if if you're running it for the house, you would only need a Raspberry Pi because the hardware needed is so minimal uh, because the the software is written in C. It's a uh, again open source. That's why we're here, right? Um, all mm-hmm. under GPL. Um, and so because of it being module based, you could just load what you need. So it, it works on a lot of embedded uh, platforms as well. So you really don't need a ton of uh, uh, hardware added at all. On a Raspberry Pi 3, um, I was able to do over 500 calls per second without any, without any um, you know, I think it was running 1% CPU. So you can, you can really hammer away at it. It's, it's, it's very powerful on minimal hardware. But any of your next mm. flavors will run it. 
Excellent. And I was going to ask about the raspberry pie because I noticed on you, you, uh, your blog you were talking about why you love Camelio so much. Um, oh, sorry, Camelio. I'm going to get that right. I'm determined to get it right. By the <laughs> so, um, although, as you said, not everyone agrees. So maybe I'm now getting it wrong. I don't know. I'm confusing myself. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, I, I was looking at you said you can run it on a raspberry pie. So do many people do that? Is it is it it, it will run on that kind of low level hardware? Absolutely. Many people do do it. And um, we've had demos at it. Um, I believe it was five, maybe five years ago um, at uh, Astrocon. One of our community members, Peter Dunkley, had Camelio running on a on a Raspberry Pi. And it was, I think, just a Raspberry Pi B back then. Um, so maybe the second version and it was running WebRTC. So it was running full, uh, video to sip all on a raspberry Pi. I've put it on here, um, just to do some load testing and, uh, aspects like that. And, you know, basically the computers that I could throw at it couldn't do anything that would break it. Uh, somebody just did, um, a really good study of it and had, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls per second with media set up and everything and, and has some benchmarks. Uh, mm-hmm. So Raspberry Pi is actually, you know, I, I don't know if I'd ever feel comfortable using it in uh, production on a high volume. But for example, at a small mm-hmm. business, I would absolutely use it in production. Um, it could handle anything that you would on, on most small medium uh, offices would would be able to mm. fully handle this on a on a Raspberry Pi. That's really good. That that's really useful because I mean it also cuts down for people who want to cut down, say their their, their electricity usage and their carbon footprints yep. and stuff. I mean the Raspberry Pi uses only a little bit of power and and you can keep it's quiet, it's easy to cool uh, effectively and so on. So that that is really useful. And it kind of leads into my next question actually because um, the Raspberry Pi is nice and portable. I'm not sure I'd want to walk around with one in my pocket because I'd need to have it plugged. Oh, I suppose I could run it off a battery. Anyway, I'll figure that out myself. Um, <laughs> but you could walk around with one in my pocket so I could use this. But um, people are saying that. That, that like the traditional phone a lot of people don't don't use it as much as they used to you know with all these other options we got now for im and 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 video calling and all these other things so where do you think camera elio will be used most in the future do you think voip is still popular outside of say business you know i i do i've heard for the last 15 years that that the phone is dead and yet you know the advancement in phone software is still extremely strong. So I think for personal communication and residences, I don't see a lot of landlines anymore. And I don't see a ton of uh, VoIP uh, being used for the home, uh, you know, except for people that really like doing things as we do. Um, you know, so I have asterisks at the house as well. Uh, but the, you know, I, I think you are seeing VoIP now come maybe a little bit full circle because people understand now, hey, if I want some private communications, um, this is a way to 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 have some sort of privacy in my communications as well as to have private communication. And so I, I think you might see a resurgence there in terms of business. Uh, it will never go away, of course. Um, every time I hear the phone is dead. I, I still cannot express to you how many phone calls there are every minute uh, from people needing to call a help center or something like that. And as well as uh, Kamilio using um, 
devices such as WebRTC to facilitate those kind of communications as, as we move into the next level of uh, communication. I still think it has a, a really good part in that in one bridging uh, new technologies to the old as well as uh, enabling you know WebRTC to WebRTC and and those type of um, communication um, mm -hmm. among people and devices because as we get into IOT you know there's a lot of neat things that SIP can go into there and in helping uh, devices communicate with us when there's problems or things like that speaking of bridging old technologies to new. Um, we actually had a question in the chat room before the show even started, just while we were talking about things. And uh, Gray580 asked, um, I, or I, he said, I wonder if it can support a PRI. And uh, I, I think I know the answer to that, but I'll, I'll let you take it. Well, Kamaelio itself can't, um, you know, so because it does not do anything other than SIP in those regards. Well, I mean, it does do some things other than SIP, but it definitely doesn't do PRI. Uh, but that would be a good thing for asterisk or free switch, right? And then you could turn asterisk um, into a PRI gateway very easily um, with a, you know, with a pretty cheap card. Um, and then, you know, either put Kamaelio there to communicate it to the rest of the world or just have asterisk handle that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, can So can Elio run without a, a SIP server behind it? Is Does it have like a standalone version or does there always have to be something like asterisk powering it? You would use asterisk for media. So if you needed to, for example, play a message to someone or handle a voicemail or do bridging of media for um, multiple headsets like a like a like a conference. Um, but if it's just peer-to-peer -peer communication, uh, no, you don't need um, anything other than Camilio itself. So for example, for like the Skype um, replacement where you could just have, you know, hey, here I am, here I am, uh, let's talk or let's have our phones just talk when I dial it, you wouldn't need anything other than Camilio itself. Um, uh, and that could handle anything from with soft phones, uh, video chats or like a FaceTime replacement to, um, you know, uh, just voice or with WebRTC, anything you'd want in, in those regards. Where you would need the media servers when you wanted to do something like a record a call or, um, you know, play a, a message to to someone, do codec transcoding, which is uh, saying, okay, well, this phone only speaks uh, this codec, and a codec is just, um, think of codec as a language. So um, the most commonly used around the world are A-Law and U-Law, and it could be, okay, well, this uh, phone speaks U-Law, which let's call that English, and uh, this browser speaks um, Opus, uh, which is through WebRTC, and we could call that Spanish. And then, uh, you know, uh, you would use Asterisk or FreeSwitch or uh, even RTP Engine to um, transcode those two so that one can hear the other and understand it. So it would just be a translator between those two languages. Do you do you have an idea of how many users of Kimaelio there are um, around the world? You know, this came up um, to me when I was dealing with um, a FUD campaign, and uh, which we all have. Uh, and they were saying, oh, there's not very many downloads of Kamaelio anymore. And I went to uh, Daniel, who's the project leader and the main author. And I said, hey, do you know how many downloads we have? And he goes, well, it's on 
GitHub and packages. I don't. I'm, it's open source. We don't keep track of these kind of statistics. We don't care <laughs> how many people are. You know, it's it's free for the world. And uh, and we looked in. Uh, so he did get some stats from from GitHub, and I think we on just the GitHub. I think there were like forty or seventy individual downloads a day. And we were both kind of shocked that it was that high. Um, you know, like, wow, that's a lot of people using Kama uh, Ilio. Um, you know, it's 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 well used with um, large enterprises and um, companies in, let's say, the Fortune 500 for sure, but even smaller, you know, and bigger, you know, let's say like the top 50 of the Fortune companies. Um, they're using Kama Ilio if you look at some of the uh, companies uh, that, like, if you were to do some job searches for Kama Ilio, you would see some very large publicly traded uh, technology companies and uh, communication companies that are also offering jobs for people that know Kama Ilio. So, speaking of which, what does the configuration and setup for Kama Ilio look like? Uh, you know, we have things like FreePBX has a, a nice web interface that you can go through and do all that. And then you could just do it on Asterisk itself, and that's all, you know, configuration files. Where does Kama Ilio fall? So, Kama Ilio falls by itself uh, within the configuration file realm. And there's three different ways that you could do it. One is that there is a product called Ceramis um, from Asipto, which is uh, Daniel's company, which does the uh, Kama Ilio. And this is also an open source uh, product called Ceramis. And Ceramis is um, a GUI for Kama Ilio. So you could use um, a GUI-based uh, version for, for Kama Ilio. There's the main configuration file, which is kamailio.cfg. And that is... Um, much like Asterisk, it's kind of written in its own um, scripting language, but it's very uh, basic. So if you have a, a Perl background or a C background or just can um, you know, understand what an if statement is, it, it will kind of make sense to you. As well as uh, something that came out a few years ago and is only getting stronger is uh, Kemi, which is an embedded language interface for Kama Ilio. So... Um, especially with WebRTC, us realizing that your next, um, as a member of the community, Dan Jenkins said, your next phone developer is a web developer. So <laughs> understanding that uh, a lot of developers don't want to learn a config file, they they know Python, they know um, Java, or they know Lua, and they want to just use their their languages. Uh, we can, you can use this Kemi interface and just write uh, your config in in that language. And, and then let's ask, sure, let's, let's dig into the, the licensing on this. You mentioned it's uh, it's GPL. Yes, sir. Which version GPL. of GPL is it? Um, I think some of the older ones might still be V2, but the vast majority I believe is V3. Um, so GPL three. So, this this kind of falls into the uh, the same realm as a web application. Did you guys think about like a, a GPL at all? I don't know the answer to that. I know that you know, Kama Ilio started back in two thousand two under um, OpenSare, so it's been around for a long time, and so there are some aspects of the code that are difficult to switch to. A different mm -hmm. language or to a different licensing, as well as um, there are some requirements 
for playing well with some of the operating systems. So, for example, we um, in Debian, uh, you know, for the packaging and aspects like that, there are some uh, reasons why licensing needs to be a certain way. And uh, we do have packages for Debian as well as um, CentOS. Um, that that will work straight out, and so the vast majority is just on the on the GPL based, and I think it was three, but I can look it up. I mean, it's on GitHub, so you know, you put it up on <laughs> verify. It's been a while since I looked at the li- I mean, since I looked at the license, um, but you know, most of it is uh, just there. So I'll look that up in the background while we're talking. Okay. Okay. So I, I do have one, one follow-up question before I hand it back off to Dan. Um, what, and I, sure. I love with, with projects like this, I love asking this, what is the weirdest thing that people have used <laughs> Kim and Ilio for that you're aware of? You know, like I said, we don't do media. And the weirdest thing I saw a few years ago was someone did a music on hold application for Kama Ilio where it did music on hold and it handled media through software that doesn't touch media and that was <laughs> phenomenal um and now we're at the point where uh 5.3 just came out and uh and uh 5.3 has um uh, a media module uh so we've we've kind of uh come almost full circle in, in a certain way on on different aspects uh so it's 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 kind of fun with um with those aspects of it. I've seen, I've used Kamaelio myself as just uh, with those, uh, for example, load balancing. So load balancing, one of the aspects of load balancing is Kamaelio as the dispatcher module will go out and um, check to see if that server is alive, right? So I'm not gonna send traffic to um, a server that's dead or not responsive. And so with that, um, I've used Kamaelio as just a monitor for other PBXs. So, you know, just a quick little service where it sends you a, a, a message when your phone system is no longer responsive. You know, so you can use it as an uptime monitor and things like that. Wow. It's, it sounds so versatile. You can almost use it for anything. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that's my, me saying that, by the way, not, not Fred saying that before he gets any. Uh, you know, I tried to use this as a, a mail server and, and it wasn't very good. Um, anyway, uh, so that, that's not an official, uh, official message from them. Um, yeah, so it sa- sounds fantastic. Uh, really, really interesting. I mean, you mentioned that you, you, you're, um, you're on GitHub, you're under GPL v3 for the most part, all that kind of stuff. So do you get a lot of contributions from? Uh, from the community? Do you take a lot of patches and so on? We take patches from everyone. I'm not a programmer myself, um, so my contributions to the project have been uh, mostly documentation, um, although I did do a bash um, update because we have an install script and, and I made a change in there and I'm like, oh yeah, look at me. I'm, <laughs> I'm a contributor now. Uh, so, I mean, we have over, uh, 30,000, uh, contributions. We just passed that mark the, the other week, uh, which is amazing. Um, we accept them, uh, from the wide community and, uh, you know, they're, they're evaluated by someone that has, uh, you know, published access to, um, to the GitHub and, and, and tested with there, but we love uh, the fact that there are um, a tremendous amount of, of uh, people contributing um, the product since, uh, you know, 2000, 
too there. Um, mm. I forget how many um, contributors. It's over 100. I think we have, um, I mean, almost 200 contributions since we switched to, or contributors since we switched to uh, wow. GitHub. And in looking at it, um, I do want to correct the the vast majority of the licenses uh, version two mm -hmm. of GPL, mm -hmm. and it uh, with some uh, of the uh, some of the newer ones using uh, BSD licensing uh, for some individual components that are under mm -hmm. BSD license. Yeah, I mean these things are always are always complicated and and you know combinations of licenses. I mean people should look and <laughs> check is probably the no. best thing to say about it. <laughs> have a look and check before you know. Um, brilliant. So it's unfortunately we're kind of running towards the end of our time, uh, Fred. Is there anything that um, that's the end of the show, not the end of our hopefully not the end of our time? Um, but um, <laughs> is there anything that we haven't mentioned or haven't brought up that about uh, Camelio that you want people to know? Sure, we're. We're an open community. We believe strongly in open source, and we love working with op other open source projects as well as anyone from the community that just wants to learn and play. We have on comailio.org, we talk about the different ways that you can uh, communicate with us. We have a very active uh, mail list as well as uh, IRC um, chat because that will never die. And then uh, there's even a Slack room. Uh, for for people that would like to get help there, but you know we're we're one of a community where if you would like help, just ask and and we love to participate. Mm -hmm. Excellent, that sounds good. And we didn't get a chance to talk about bread because you, apparently you're a baker no. as well. You start a bakery, so maybe we get you back yeah. to talk about the bakery next time. But um, in the meantime, very quickly, if people want to check out that bakery, how do they do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, plug for the bakery. Um, the my wife started a bakery back in 2010. Um, I, mm. That's where I'm working out of a uh, Bear Bake Shop. So B E A R B A K E S H O P dot com, BearBakeShop.com. Excellent, excellent. Um, so we, we'll go and check that out. Um, so we do have some some. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, in fact, three final questions that we like to ask um, every sure. guest. So so the first one that we always ask every guest is, what is your favorite scripting language? Pearl. Pearl. And, um, I say so that happy. with uh, my my first interaction. There used to be an asterisk users conference, and um, uh, which turned into the VoIP users conference. Anyway, mm. I wrote a Pearl script, and the guest that week ended up being Merlin. So Randall was on it, and uh, <laughs> tore it Every up. Oh, did he destroy <laughs> it? Oh, he just brutally destroyed it and i learned more in 10 minutes <laughs> than in the years i spent trying to get up to that point it was fantastic but pearl by by and far pearl's my favorite line pearl that that will be a very popular answer um in fact um one of our um one of our questions uh, was suggested by randall he's around he's kind of he's ghost hosting i suppose today he's not kind of he's not he's not in the ethernet he is the ethernet um he's kind of around you know he's not in the jungle he is the jungle um so so, yeah, a second question is a text editor. What what do you like to, to, to program in? I try not to get into religious wars, but I'm vim or die. Um, <laughs> so you just lost those brownie points. <laughs> no, <I laughs> anyway, brilliant. And then finally, um, last question is, uh, the, seeing as we have a lot of projects on this show that seem to link in some way to blockchain, is there any way we could link, link Kama Elio to some kind of blockchain-related thing? There, there are people that are doing uh, blockchain with uh, 
SIP in terms of billing credits and aspects mm. like that. And there's some discussion as to using that for identity. Uh, so when you're trying to prove who you're talking to, because that's a that's a great conversation for next time. But you know, how do you mm. really trust that the endpoint is the endpoint that you think it is? Mm. So, That's so interesting. So there really is. Yeah. Excellent. So there really is a blockchain one there. Well, well, that maybe is something to get into um, in the future. That's brilliant. Um, usually, that's just a flippant question that people, you know, we ask everyone yeah. that. <laughs> but actually, it's one it I like to make fun of, but the people are actually <laughs> trying to do it right. But I, yeah, that's one of my favorite. Blockchain. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right, Fred. It's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and we, I get the impression we could we could talk for hours here, um, but unfortunately, we only have a limited amount of time. So we'll have to speak to you again in the future. But thank you very much for coming on and telling us all, uh, all about Camera Elio, and uh, we'll speak to you again. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. No problem. So that was that, that was uh, Fred Posner, who was talking to us about VoIP and telephony and so on um, in relation to Camera Elio, which is a open source SIP um, solution, which is amazing. So, Jonathan, you seem to know a lot about SIP and certainly a lot more than I know about it. So what did you think? Uh, I, 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 I know of <clears throat> I know of asterisk installations that I have that probably should have this set up in front of them. Um, I have, <clears throat> when I was much, much younger admin, um, I've had mm. an asterisk server actually get breached by someone guessing zip passwords. <laughs> and so mm. very quickly learned my lesson about how to configure those a little bit better. But uh, Kemi Ilio sounds like a, a great solution to sit in front of it so that just to take away a lot of the headache of, uh, of configuring and, and working with asterisk. Uh, it sounds like a really cool project. It It sounds like they are unintentionally, very, very slowly replacing the need for asterisk as well. Uh, you know, he, he started out by saying that, oh, no, we, do, we don't do anything with media. It's, it's, it's just this. And then by the end mm -hmm. of the show, he, he told it, well, yeah, OK, so somebody wrote a module that can do this and somebody wrote a module <laughs> that can do that. And I don't know if this is actually feature creep, but it sounds like they're very, very slowly kind of expanding this this area where you don't need anything else. You can just use Kami Ilio. And that's that's always interesting to, to watch. It is, and it sounds like they've got a lot of contributors as well. So that that will, you know, well, contribute to to this kind of growing of the software in different directions, which is really cool. And um, it's it's definitely something that I'll I'll have a look at next time I have cause to to kind of um, to to deploy any kind of VoIP system, which I don't actually do a, a, a lot of, to be honest. But in the past, I have had a lot of those headaches over certain things that it sounds like this could really help with, and it'd be really great for large uh, deployments as well. By the sound of it. Yeah, so that's that's one of the other things that's always a problem with asterisk <clears throat> is when you go to scale it up, particularly mm -hmm. uh, like if, if someone was trying to become a telephone operator in a in a town or a state, you know, how do you handle that many users? And it sounds like that's a problem that these guys just have sorted. Uh, I'm 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 really sad that we ran out of time. I would like to ask him about you know their <laughs> their funding model, whether there's a business around this, and we just we just ran out of time and didn't get to. So we'll have to have him back here before too long. 
Yeah, and lots to talk about, as you say. So if you want to, if you want to find out more, don't forget you can go to camaelio.org, which is their website, and uh, you can find all about it there. And uh, if you're wondering how to spell camaelio, because you might well do, uh, you can go to, to to the Floss Weekly website and and find out there. So um, if you enjoy Floss Weekly, which we hope you do, and you want to get involved, um, you can join us each week in the IRC chat room. We mentioned some questions that people uh, passed to us this week in the chat room, and that runs during our live recordings. Um, it's really easy. You can chat to the listeners you can chat to us um you can put questions to the guests uh, if you just go to twit.tv slash live if i say it right twit.tv slash live which is where you find the live stream for the for the live recording uh, there's a join chat button you click that you know hey presto you join the chat which is amazing um so that's really good so you can do that um we we tape uh, wednesday mornings uh, 9 30 a.m usually uh, leo time uh, west coast time in the u.s uh, you can also follow us on twitter if you like you can go to uh, at at Floss Weekly, which is our Twitter handle, and find out stuff there. Um, if you're uh, if you're a, fa- a big fan of a certain open source project that you think you'd like to see on the show or like to hear about on the show that um, we haven't featured yet or maybe hasn't been on for a long time, I don't know. Um, we really want to hear about that. So um, you can you know you can get in get in touch with the um, the project themselves is the best way to do it. It's the way Randall always pitches it. The best way to kind of do it and to get them way up the up the schedule there is um, if you if someone from the project can, can email. Randall on Merlin at Stonehenge.com. Um, and again, these details are on the, the twit.tv slash floss page. Um, you can uh, you can get in touch with him and then we'll sort all that there. So if you go to twit.tv slash floss, you can find all the information there. And we do have on that page an upcoming guests um, spreadsheet, which Randall updates uh, regularly and keeps on tra- uh, keeps on top of. So um, I've, I've had a quick peek at it and I can tell you that uh, October the 23rd next week, uh, we've got Gregory M. Kurtzner and Adam Hughes, who are coming on to talk about Singularity, which um, I had a quick look at, and uh, it seems to be about containers, ma- man- uh, containerization, managing deployments and of your containers and, and all that kind of goodness, which is good. Um, and then October the 30th, the following week, uh, Ken, uh, Ken Fallon and Kevin O'Brien from Hacker Public Radio are coming on, um, who are actually friends of mine. So, um, hey, guys, um, if they're watching or listening to this, um, they'll be back on, and, uh, and they'll be talking about Hacker Public Radio, which is a really great... Uh, podcast network that's been running for a long time sharing all kinds of cool stuff uh, tips every day um, and then f- uh, finally uh, November the 6th we've got Troy Maximov who's going to talk about Hot Rock um, which I'll be honest I don't know a lot about I had a quick look um, and it looks interesting but um, we'll find out more on the show that's why I tune into the show and hopefully why you do as well and then we've got more guests coming throughout November but I'll spare you the bre- the uh, play-by-play breakdown there you can go and have a look at the spreadsheet and find out more about that um all right and um i'm uh, i'm going to be uh, quite busy this weekend because i if you've heard the previous show about og camp which is a, an event that i run i'm going to be there uh, running that this weekend so if anyone's coming to manchester in the uk this weekend if you can make it there come and say hello um if you listen to floss uh, or even if you don't i suppose but you wouldn't hear it would you if you don't listen to floss you wouldn't hear this um so um come and say hello um it's always good to catch up with you um and uh, i know Ke- actually ken fallon is going to be there from Hackable Radio for for at least one of the, one of the future guests. You could ask him some some questions. Um, all right, and uh, Jonathan, where where can people find out about what you're up to? So you can follow me on Twitter at jp underscore Bennett, and um, we're still kind of in stealth mode, but we're a a sneak peek for listeners of Floss Weekly that that stick around till the end. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually set up a, a Patreon, patreoncom jp underscore Bennett. And uh, have some interesting things brewing there. Uh, hopefully, we can make some public announcements soon about that. Uh, but those are the two places that, uh, if people are interested, take a look and see what I'm up to. 
Excellent. Make sure you go and check that out then, people. Um, all right, then. I think um, that's probably about the end of all the time that we've got for this week. So, uh, Jonathan, thank you for thank you for joining me. And your SIP knowledge was definitely very much appreciated this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a show I really enjoy. This is, this is something I do quite a bit. And uh, always a pleasure, Dan, to come on and, and uh, co-host with you. Thank, excellent. So um, we'll see you again soon. And with that, I think that's the end uh, The end for today. So we'll see you again next time on Floss Weekly. <laughs>